1: Radio on time on target hope you guys um, enjoyed the last episode but also became informed of some you know crazy things going on Uh, definitely eye-opening for me before we get into everything if you've been checking out my Instagram you've been seeing all the great stuff that Pelican is sending us really happy with all the great gear they have hard-sided coolers all made in the USA and that's why they're our sponsor all this month Most competitors, including Yeti, make most of their stuff overseas. Pelican Coolers has an actual lifetime warranty, a wide variety of sizes and colors. When you go to the website, you'll see all those color schemes. Really just crazy amounts to choose from. Easy pull hard latches that aren't rubber bands like the other guys. Pelican is a trusted brand since 1976. If you heard Alex Hollings recently on the podcast, he was saying that Pelican gear got them through a lot of stuff on deployments. Their 70-quart cooler can hold ice up to nine days. They're light. Other coolers weigh 30% more on average. They have a built-in bottle opener under the lid, and ergonomic handles make them easier to carry. Check out PelicanCoolers.com. That's exclusively where you can use our promo code. I know you could find Pelican Coolers pretty much everywhere, but our promo code is exclusively for pelicancoolers.com, where you can find the full variety of coolers that they have. When you use the coupon code SOFREP, what you'll get is a free 22 ounce tumbler. Add the tumbler to your cart with your order and use the promo code SOFREP. You'll get it absolutely free. You've seen us post that tumbler on Instagram, on Twitter. Just looks awesome for holding your coffee or anything else. Um, once again, that's pelicancoolers.com. Go to the drinkware section and add the tumbler. They have two sizes, um, I believe, but go to the 22-ounce one, and that'll be free with your order, no matter what you order, whether you go with the 20-quart cooler or the 70-quart cooler. You'll get that for free when you use the promo code SOFTREP, the tumbler, with your order. So use the promo code SOFTREP right at PelicanCoolers.com. Really proud to have them on board as a sponsor all of this month and loving their gear. Um, With that, we were going to have Stavros in studio, uh, but he apparently has to attend classes at Johns Hopkins, where he's going, which we'll get into. Um, First thing I wanted to mention today, the top of Drudge Report, actually, this is a very big deal. The USA is backing Gua... I I don't know if I'm saying the name right. Guaido over Nicolas Maduro in Venezuela. Um, And because of that, you know, I I guess you'd say uh, previous President Maduro, who would say that he's current President Maduro, is saying that Venezuela is going to be breaking relations with the U.S. So, I mean, you're you're seeing a country in a state of civil unrest right now.
0: Yeah, it's uh, interesting. I mean, basically, the vast majority of Latin America is standing behind the new government or new leadership. Um, the United States is I think maybe Canada and, and other countries. I think you're going to start seeing like European countries starting to recognize them. Also, really, the only uh, countries that are still standing behind Maduro are China, Russia, Iran. Pro- countries were hostile to Probably, probably so, yeah. North Korea. Well, this all of this plays into uh, you know the larger global dynamics that the United States has ostracized a large portion of the world. <laughs> We've embargoed a large portion of the world. And I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. But when you um, we push these countries to the margin, we do things that they don't like. Uh, we're a, the only global superpower and we throw our weight around in ways that some countries don't like. So it's just natural that they kind of align with one another and the they're only, the only thing they have in common is anti-Americanism. Yep. <laughs> so it, it's, uh, it's an interesting dynamic to say the least. And, and that dynamic is going to continue. I think it, it, it's really, that's going to be kind of the story of the rest of this century is the decline of American power. I mean, I, quite frankly, I think that's what we're looking at. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see as we shift into presumably a multipolar world,
1: uh, what, Global order is going to look like. I wonder what this will result in. I'm sure that writers, you know, more than myself, will be writing something on News Rep. But um, oil prices, things like that, will this have an effect on that?
0: Well, what's the effect going to have on the internal
1: stability of the country? Is this
0: uh, a good change or a bad change? And I and I don't feel like I'm educated enough on on the politics of Venezuela to to really like weigh in on that. Um, but I. Can look at it and see with the amount of unrest, the amount of poverty, the economic issues that it's going to take a while for Venezuela to pull itself out of this hole. Yeah. But hopefully, this this new government um, gets them at least heading in the right direction.
1: Yeah. Well, we will see. And it's it's weird though. Is it the new government? I mean Yeah. I don't know if you would call it the new government because Maduro would say he's still currently. Yeah, maybe
0: premature and these things haven't been quite hashed out.
1: Yeah. It's it's a situation that you know we've never seen here in America, at least in our lifetime. You know, it's civil war in Venezuela basically.
0: Two people claiming to represent the government. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh an- another uh, outrage going on is BK, our friend, is uh, banned on Twitter or suspended on Twitter. I don't think this is the first time this has happened to BK. All he the funniest
0: accounts get suspended. It makes me sad.
1: Uh, he definitely likes to piss people off on Twitter, but I wonder what he said that um, angered people.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I've never been suspended on Twitter, but I've been banned, or what do they call it, like when, when they put you in Facebook jail? Yeah, that's right. I, I've been in Facebook jail probably like six or seven times, and uh, the usually it's just for a week, but a couple times I think I got banned for like two weeks.
1: Do you remember what it's for? Because I know sometimes it's basically an algorithm, like uh, Bill, who's been on the show you know, from Greece, he posted that that picture that was anti-nazi stuff you know but it had oh, a, it had, had a swastika, swastika in so. it, in
0: a different cultural context that wasn't nazism exactly and the algorithm or or, or maybe we we'll, we don't know if it was an algorithm or an actual person but one yeah. way or the other um in my case is I, I mean i don't always know sometimes it just happens um but sometimes it'll show you the post like this post is outside our community guidelines yeah. um I, I so basically, I know that at least in some cases, it's just someone reporting something I yes, said that they I've don't like. That. and uh, and there's no like repudiation. There's no like uh, you know, there's no there's no
1: justice system, quote unquote. It's Facebook. So it's just like someone reports it and like you're done. yeah, that's see, that's happened to me, but I never got um suspended. I remember one thing that happened was, so I previously produced Senator Bill Bradley's shows, you know. And because of that, some previous guests of the show were listeners of Bill Bradley, like, added me on my own private Facebook. And I'm like, whatever, they've been on the show, I don't care. And I remember I wrote something that was like criticizing Elizabeth Warren. And then I noticed this guy reported the post, tried to like FaceTime call me a million times on Facebook, you know, and, and was just like messaging me incessantly. So I deleted that guy. Um, I got like reported, but I think they saw that what I said was completely within the guidelines. But um, I'm actually kind of uh, a little bit more cautious about just what I post now because I I don't know. I don't want to like engage in that type of. I, I mean, I don't use Facebook for personal stuff very much at all anymore. Uh, you know, we do. I mean, I'm. I'll message you and be like, "We have this guy coming on the oh, show." Oh
0: yeah, so. yeah. Like talking to like your family or whatever. But I don't like post stuff on Facebook. I don't even even my Facebook like author page, like business page. I don't post that much stuff on there. Mm-hmm. My personal page, I just once in a while might throw something on there, like, but like once a week, if that. Yeah. You know, I don't. I don't write on because I don't know. I'm just sick and tired of it.
1: I'm getting tired of all the social media <laughs> yeah. because of. Yeah.
0: I don't use Instagram anymore.
1: I mean on Twitter, we're still you know, it's it's another show. We're still talking about this Native American guy and that you know, he's he's not a Vietnam veteran. That like, that part was kind of interesting, which has apparently been uncovered. It, it, just in that the media did no fact checking, which I know is of no surprise to you, but some people expect well, it's not just the media, like it's also
0: social media. Yeah it's like people on social media making it into a story. In the past, something like this would be like a blurb in a local paper of at course. best. Uh, maybe it would just go unreported. Now it's you know it's just dominates the headlines for days, and it's like I've said in the in the past. I, I mean, it's a, a country of you know three hundred something million people. On any given day, one of those people is going to do something dumb. Yeah. Does that need to be a national story? Does that need to be on, uh, you know, all over the fucking internet for
1: a week? It's kind of interesting, though, because it's just that we now are the journal. Anyone can be a journalist now. If you go to a rally, you capture something on video, it trends on Twitter. Well, I'd like to think that a journalist is a
0: little bit more than just, you know, somebody with a Twitter account. But in a lot of cases, I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. You know, in a lot of cases, that's what's seen as journalism now.
1: Everybody has a platform now. So. Right. Every psycho has,
0: uh, you know, Facebook Live or whatever whatever the stream is. Yeah. Everyone has access to a live television channel that they produce, you know, sitting in the front seat of their car ranting about some bullshit that they know nothing about. It's uh, crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, 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 and it's not all negative, I'll say, in that, you know, for example, the um, attention brought to, like, police shootings, for example... Some of that outrage is is not real. Some of it is. But there's been times now where people capture stuff that wouldn't have been captured. Oh, yeah. In the past. Oh, yeah. Like when I think when Rodney King happened, right, where someone videotaped that beating, it, it was new. It wasn't normal for someone to have the, like a VHS camera in their car to tape something like that. Now everybody has a phone on them. So I think people, you know, police officers, are, they're more cautious of how they act because anything you do can be put on tape put on the Internet. and uh, I mean, the, the flip side to that, too, is that people would say, you know,
0: video doesn't lie, a picture doesn't lie. But, I mean, it frequently does um, because it's decontextualized. And any given, any one of these little fake social media outrage things that pops off, I mean, within minutes, there's, like, the counter narrative. Like, here's a meme on why this guy's really a scumbag. And it's like. Yeah. But I think, was I talking about it with you or some, someone else? It's like, I don't give a fuck. Fuck about this.
1: Yeah, we've both mentioned I don't it. give I, a fuck. And I don't either. Fuck.
0: Literally, don't give a shit. And again, like, you're getting like notifications on your cell phone. It's like, v-
1: that's the thing, you can't escape. Turn it, it so. off.
0: Like, I do not care. And especially when we're talking about, you know, governments collapsing in Venezuela. Sure. And, you know, stuff going on in Syria,
1: uh, all this like crazy shit going on. Like, or even what we talked about in the last show. Oh, yeah. Know, privately owned uh, companies that do military housing. Putting you know families like you're gonna children. get you're
0: gonna get all butt hurt over a fucking Gillette ad, but you know when some you know slumlord lets military families suffer like this and exploits them like that doesn't raise any eyebrows. Yeah. No one says anything about that. So, I mean, and that's why I, I get jaded and I get cynical about it when I see these little social media outrages over, like, I can't believe, you know, you know some, like, congresswoman said, let's impeach the motherfucker. Wasn't that what? Yeah, what is, it
1: was which, a Muslim woman. Like,
0: how upset am I supposed to get about this? Somebody said <laughs> motherfucker? I say motherfucker on this podcast every day. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, granted, I'm not a congressman, but and nonetheless, I, I, like, I don't have the energy to get upset about all this stupid little stuff. It's like, let's pick... You know, a couple important issues and focus on those and talk about those. Yeah,
1: But unfortunately, what you see as important is not what people are clicking on. As you No, no, about. it's
0: not. And people say they want the truth. They want the facts. I just want the news to report facts and tell us what's going on. And like, well, when people say that, they're being disingenuous because that's not really what they want. Yeah. And there's a ton of data. Because we live in an era of big data, you can see what people are clicking on, what kind of media they consume. And people aren't reading, like, wire reports off, like, AP or Reuters. Yeah. Like, that is not the kind of news people want. So don't lie about what you want.
1: <laughs> I mean. Yeah, you saw that thing that my friend uh, Nick posted who was a journalist in Queens. And uh, I said. Oh, yeah, too, uh, I did. I did read that. Yeah, so yeah. He, he stopped uh, writing as a journalist or, or working for any news outlet in Queens because of the fact that, he was just like, This is my passion, but it's just not a moneymaker. So he's now doing real estate. But he was he was saying that. He basically gave a list of the big stories happening that month. And they were big. They were like local election stuff, kidnappings. And then one of the stories was where Nicki Minaj buys her wigs in New York. And he was like, which of these stories do you think was clicked on the most? Yeah. That was it. And he's like, that's what sells ads. And so this is why, you know, print media is supposedly dying or medias is
0: there, uh If people listening to this are interested in, in a little bit of background, uh I could recommend some books also. But there are a couple news articles that came out just the last uh week, There's one in the New Yorker magazine, and I think its title is Does Journalism Have a Future? And it talks about old, like, legacy media, like local newspapers and how they have all collapsed and and the kind of digital media market we're in now. That's a very good article. And then there's another one out there. I believe it's called um, Do digital media influencers need to be regulated and it's talking about you know the whole concept of influencers how these companies hire i hate that word Insta- by the way. instagram celebrities to to hawk their product yeah um and they're asking it's kind of asking the question like should these people be regulated beca- by federal regulators because it, it's uh it's kind of a wild west and you don't really know what's an advertisement and what isn't
1: yeah, sometimes on Instagram it'll say that something is an advertisement, no, or they'll put a hashtag
0: that says like sponsored.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's so ridiculous, man. People like going on vacations because it looks good on Instagram because they're influencers. I, I I'm I, so tired of it's, it.
0: It's it's uh, bizarre to me. Yeah, like I said, i I haven't used, I haven't posted anything on Instagram in like six months. I know.
1: I've noticed that. I. I post every day on the Soft Rep Radio Instagram to keep you guys up to date. I posted actually today because I thought it was interesting. I
0: think using it like that is okay. I mean, use it. I think it was Jim West who told me he said, you know, promote the business, not your ego. Yeah.
1: I don't have my own Instagram. Um, But yeah, today I posted from Shot Show a picture of Dakota Meyer with Kristen Beck because I thought it was interesting. That's Uh, cool. Yeah, I mean, it's just two people that you wouldn't expect to be hanging out with each other, but two decorated service members. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, and and it creates some controversy. Anytime I post anything to Kristen Beck, you get the people who, you know, who give Kristen a problem. And the thing with Kristen that I will say is funny is, like, a lot of people will let that shit go. They don't care. Kristen will engage with anyone. Oh, she'll shit. yeah, she'll jump in there and fight him. Yeah. Uh,
0: you know, like, just from, like, my personal, my, uh, my heteronormative perspective— uh, I used to think, like, that kind of stuff wasn't, like, a big deal, um, you know, like, the, the LGBT stuff. As like, like, we did an article about, um, we've done a few articles with Brett Jones, who is a, uh, he's still, well, he still is. I mean, he, he's a homosexual gay uh, Navy SEAL, and uh, he's a good guy, but we did a story on it. And, and I I mean, I, I didn't have any hesitation about publishing it, but kind of like in the back of my mind, my, my thought was, OK, he was a SEAL. He's gay. Like, what's the big deal? The, why does this even matter? And then you see the comments start rolling in like, whoa, like, OK, this actually does matter. Yeah. <laughs> like, like these kinds of things need to be said and, and it needs to be talked about because... Uh, clearly, there there is still a lot of hatred out there.
1: Yeah, I've even seen it when we like the first time we had Kristen Beck on. There were a lot of people saying, "Why would you promote this type of behavior?" And so we're not promoting anything. We will have anyone. Well, on. There,
0: there's a whole backstory behind that when we f- ran a story about Christ, Kristen Beck. Yeah, and there were at sponsors pulling we out. Had, right, we lost a huge, huge sponsor over that, and. Like if I named who it was, it would set off some shockwaves right now because it is a major company, and they said we do not want our ads next to that transgender material. That was uh, un- unreal. They yeah. a- so they were actually trying to dictate content to us, and we told them basically, "Kick rocks, like we're not yeah. going to take that story down."
1: And it, it's funny because the tides have changed. I, I bet you that company would love that now because
0: they would never say it openly. They, if they did say it, I think they would couch their words very carefully.
1: Yeah, I, but but it's social media has made things very different. I think like what was once uh, once um, ridiculed is now being like celebrated, at least on yeah, social yeah. media. So it's just things are changing very rapidly. If you look at, like, for example, when Barack Obama first became the president, he was against gay marriage. It was, um, it was actually when Joe Biden said that he was personally for gay marriage while being a part of the administration that things started to change. But I've said this on the podcast before, too, that people who were critical of um, openly gay people serving in the military and they were for don't ask, don't tell – the argument was um by a lot of these social conservatives was you know, you have this, the next thing you know, you're going to have transgenders openly serving in the military. <laughs> and I remember people being like, that's absurd. That's ridiculous. That's never going to happen. And it is happening. So whether you're for it or against it, a lot of these things that we thought were crazy and conspiracy theory are well, actually issues.
0: The, the only hesitation I had with repealing, don't ask, don't tell, which I think it was a good thing to repeal it for sure. Um, because I, I heard stories and saw stuff myself where soldiers were blackmailed and it was fucked up, but, uh, my only hesitation was that I thought that we might have people joining the military who are gay, who are doing it as, like, social activism, like, here I am, I'm gay, and I'm wearing this uniform, and even that concern turned out to be, in retrospect, unfounded and seems kind of silly, like, that hasn't really happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're willing to put your, li- your life on the line at a time we, where we still are in multiple wars... I'd yeah, would say are yeah. serious they're, about just, it. they're just
0: soldiers, and that's their sexual identity, and they're out there doing their job. So, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that they repealed uh, Don't Ask, Don't Tell. That It led to a lot of bad things.
1: Yeah. Um. All right, we're going to get to Stavros, but I'll get to this email really quickly sent to softrep.radio at softrep.com, and it's in regards to one of our recent episodes. Um. Hi, guys. I just listened to episode 423, so that's us talking about Kratom. Uh, You brought up some interesting points, and I would love to talk with you about the way service members and veterans are treated or not treated and what the military and VA could be doing better. Most of the pain I endured could have been prevented. I'm an Army veteran whose minor injuries turned into major injuries due to misguided medical protocols. I became a chiropractor because chiropractic helped me the most when I got it. There is no excuse for our troops to not receive the best health-promoting care, yet all they get is drugs. Anyway, I can talk for days about all of this and more, uh, and more, like why so many veterans suffer with PTSD and have astronomical suicide rates. Keep up the great work, and if you were interested in diving deeper into these topics, so let me know. That's from Shelly. So possibly in the future, I mean, but I just think it goes to show we've had uh, an acupuncturist on here in the past. You weren't here for that episode, but I remember it. Um, Tay, who I, I actually know but we've talked about everything from chiropractic to uh, yoga, acupuncture. We talked about kratom. We've talked about marijuana, uh, all of these things. I mean, some people might believe in some of them, some might not, but it's, it's nice. There's these alternatives coming out that are not addictive that are, you know, a alternative to using opioids.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think we've done a fairly poor job at, you know, on a social level, societal level, treating these guys and, they need whatever help they can get.
1: Yeah. And if, if chiropractic care helps you, you know, I'm I'm all for it, uh, or, or acupuncture, like I said, yoga, um, I'm, I'm a believer in massage therapy. I think all that stuff is great. So, uh, you know, massage
0: therapy, like the rub and tug down the street here. (laughs) Well, it, it could,
1: it could be that no, but any type of, you know, actual massage therapy for, uh, for neck pain, back pain, I've had issues with that before. Nothing like what you know some of you guys have experienced, but yeah,
0: I mean, I think I talked about in the past how I had quite a bit of back pain when I came out of the military, and yeah. um, and it was actually my own fault hurting myself. But uh, the car going to the chiropractor helped me a lot.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, if you have any other emails, send them to softrep.radio at softrep.com. We're going to get over to Stavros, whose last name I'll, I'll uh, attempt to pronounce, and we'll see if I'm correct. Stavros Atlam I'm going to ask him, and and we'll see. But Stavros (laughs) has been writing for the site for a while now. Yeah, yes. And uh, I'm interested in hearing actually a little bit more about his background from Greece and getting into some of the recent articles he's been writing. So joining us is Stavros, former Greek Army with the 575th Marines Battalion and Army HQ, currently studying at Johns Hopkins, which we were hoping to get you in studio, but I know you're stuck there. Um, but you're doing that with your undergrad while writing for News Rep full-time. And I was saying before I actually brought you on that I was going to attempt to say your last name. Uh, t- tell me how wrong I am. So Stavros Atwamazoglou.
2: Actually, that's probably the best uh, variation I've heard from a for- from a non-Greek speaker. Nice! <laughs> That's
1: awesome. Wait, so how 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 do you say it?
2: Atlamazou.
1: Okay, I was pretty close. Atmarozu. Yeah, I feel like you should well, be uh, like like Fabio, how he just goes by one name, like because <laughs> every, everybody would know Stavros, <laughs> but like the last name, it's kind of tough. Yeah,
2: I mean, it, it's tough even for Greeks. Uh, yeah, it's it's not an easy name.
1: So, so before we get into the articles you're writing and the stuff that we'd like to get into, which there there's a lot to talk about. Um, we've really only had one other uh, Greek military guy on the show before, Bill, who's written for the site. Um, so I'd love to hear about your background and uh, not really enlisting because it's a mandatory service, right, but be- becoming a member of the Greek army.
2: Yeah. So uh, unlike Bill, who after his national service uh, went professional for a few years, uh, I did my, just my national service. So I did it with the 575 Marine Battalion, which, uh, unlike everyone else, every, everywhere else in the world, Marines in Greece fall under the army. So it's nothing like here in the States where the Marine Corps falls under the Navy or in Britain where the commandos, R- Royal Marine Commandos fall under the Royal Navy. Uh, so it's uh, it considered... Soft. Uh, although, if if I were to uh, compare it with here in the states, I would say that uh, the marines and the regular radar companies are vanilla soft, so uh, uh, white soft in terms of budget, and the the unit uh, in which Bill was, Vasilis, uh is are considered tier one. Uh, so, to give a, a rough equivalent. Uh, so yeah, I did my time there, and uh, I finished up with uh, Army HQ in Athens. Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> the, the Marines are a big
0: deal in Greece, right? Because you guys have to cover down on like how many different islands in the Aegean Sea.
2: Yeah, so so we have three marine battalions, but uh, and we also have the amphibious radar companies. Uh, there are so many islands and inlets; it's ridiculous. I mean, over a thousand. So, yeah, and that's the the main training focus on how to respond. Whereas the the amphibious Raider companies would, uh, would would respond to a small inlet being attacked by Turkish forces. The Marines would. Uh, focus on how to recapture an island that was attacked by Turkish forces. But we, we undergo the same training. So uh, I mean, the, prof- the NCOs who are professional military rotate between units, so you can they can do a stint, a two-year stint in the marines and then go to uh, one of the amphibious companies or the Mount Raider companies. So there is a lot of uh, interoperability between us
0: i uh, I love the uh that that old school uh ethnic tension between Turkey and Greece like you guys uh, you guys go <laughs> at it
2: yeah I mean it's over a thousand year old conflict <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> and we are the the smaller ones, so we have to do what we can.
0: And Turkey is resurgent, looks like their Ottoman ambitions. It seems like they want to come back. uh, And that must make uh, make, uh, the Greek government nervous.
2: It should, but uh, judging from their defense expenditure, it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) So, So, yeah. At at what point did you move here, Stavros? Uh, Actually, most of my family is here in the States. So I grew up in Greece but I used to come every summer uh, so it's uh, but I relocated uh, permanently uh, 2014 yeah 2014
0: cool. Good and, and now you're you said you're getting your uh, your graduate degree
2: uh, undergrad. undergrad so yeah I went essentially I was first in Boston I I began with in, in a community college and my and I fought my way up to Hawkins to finish up
0: That's degree. great, man! Congratulations!
2: Cheers.
0: Uh, yeah. And uh, you said your major
2: is history. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's very interesting to me, and it's also the easiest way to, <laughs> to get a, a, a degree from a grade school.
0: What what period uh, of history are you are you mostly interested in?
2: Uh, Post World War II military history.
0: Okay, so like the same as me.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, but you were a P- PS, right? Political yeah, science. yeah.
0: I was a political science major. But, you know, I feel like that's kind of been my focus as a, as a writer been writing about, you know, contemporary, more, more contemporary military uh,
1: uh, activities. It makes sense with what we do because th- that's the era of guys we could actually interview are the Vietnam era, the, you know, Korean War veteran, yeah. or yeah. some, you know, but you're not going to really be able to speak to anybody who's in World War I or anything like that. Unfortunately, so, no. Yeah. So I, yeah. I get it. If you're an investigative journalist, which you are, you know, kind of plays into all that and doing the podcast. Um, but any anyway, getting into some stuff that you've been doing for the site, you wrote this recent article, Kenya Terrorist Attack Update, The Accurate Story Behind the SAS Operator. there was this man who's former SAS or actually I don't know was he active duty or or former
2: Uh, he's uh, he's active uh, so he's not former military he's territorial territorial so essentially the reserve component of the SAS
1: yeah so he happened to be in Nairobi Kenya and he took action here I mean the The article from you, an unwelcome avalanche of fame, has fallen on the lone special air service member who responded to last Tuesday's terrorist attack in downtown Nairobi, Kenya. News outlets around the world have speculated about the identity and outfit. At first, he was a Navy SEAL from from SEAL Team 3 because he wore a Velcro patch that the SEAL Team 3 SEALs have been seen wearing. And then, more accurately, he became an active duty SAS operator. I, I should have remembered that cause I read the article. Uh, according to a news rep source, however, the SAS trooper is, in fact, part of the British Territorial Army SAS. That is the reserve component of the famed Special Operations Unit. So oh. this gives an update on this maybe, man's identity. Maybe you can explain what that means because, I, like, you know, how
0: – i'm trying to make like an american comparison so like in delta force there's alpha squadron bravo squadron charlie squadron in ranger battalion there's first battalion third battalion second battalion uh in the sas there's 22 sas which is the active duty uh special air service guys but then there's also uh 21 and 23 23. sas which are the territorials that you were speaking of
2: uh so the best comparison I can give you would be with the special forces groups. So you have the five active, mm-hmm. uh, active duty, the 1st, 3rd, 5th, 7th, and 10th. And then you have the two national guards of the 19th and the 20th. Yeah. So that, that's the best uh, comparison I can make. So essentially they are part-time soldiers. Uh, some of them were former active duty 22 SAS. Others joined up from civilian streets, underwent the same selection as their active duty uh, colleagues, although uh, in a different time frame, there's more... It's longer because you have to compensate for their civilian jobs. Uh, It takes them like two years, I think. Excuse me?
0: I think it takes them like two years to go through it.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's brutal because and i think some of them call them some call them weekend warriors or one <laughs> abyss but if you if you think about it it's harder because you have to balance a full time civilian job with being yeah. an operator i mean it's hard yeah uh, so so yeah the, they used to be under the special forces command the equivalent of socom uh, the, US, uh, the US equivalent but recently in 2014 they were moved and I think because of uh, over budget issues they were moved under the, a new command called the first uh, ser- uh, intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance brigade uh, okay. uh, which uh, encompasses uh, conventional uh, units that specialize in ISR but also a few more cyber uh, units, so like the 21 and 23 SAs, and a couple of other human intelligence units.
0: And these guys, I mean, they still get deployed, obviously. I mean, this guy shows up in Kenya.
2: Yeah, yeah. So essentially, they can they are, they can either deploy uh, individually or they can uh, augment uh, 22 SAS if needed. So, like the Na- National Guard itself.
0: And, and do, do you have any idea what this guy was doing in Kenya, that he suddenly shows up in uh, at the shopping mall wearing a balaclava?
2: <laughs> yeah, so, so they are down there training the Kenyan counter-terrorist uh, units, the Rakes. Right uh And yeah, a couple of years ago, there was also another incident in the Westgate Mall. Yep. And another, uh, he was former, though. He he was a civilian by then. Uh, I want to say he was a a Royal Marine. I'm not sure. The press changed Uh, their
0: story like three times on that. Like, first he was a para, then he was a Royal Marine, then he was SAS, and uh, yeah, it was
2: kind of silly a brave man yeah a brave man a brave man <laughs> yeah so and we have to remember kenya used to be uh, a british colony for years, for decades yeah the mao, so mao uprising uncommon. yeah so there's th- this cultural connection between the two nations and uh, paris deployed there to for exercise every year so it's not uncommon for british personnel to be down there And considering how close it is to Somalia with al Shabaab, it makes sense.
1: Mm -hmm. Interesting. So you could check out the article on this man's identity, which is Kenya terrorist attack update, the accurate story behind the SAS operator. That's now up. Uh, Something else I know you wanted to get into that that has been a topic of interest, I know, for you, Jack, uh, the SOCOM war crimes crisis going on.
2: Yeah, uh yeah, that's that's a huge one. Um uh, I'm actually tr- uh, because there has been some there ha- there, there has been similar inter- uh incidents uh internationally. So you have inquiries in Australia and New Zealand that's about right. alleged war crimes. Yep. Uh Although the New Zealand case appears to be different. So a couple of journalists wrote a book about the New Zealand SAS allegedly committing war crimes in Afghanistan. But it, it's, by the day, it, 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 their case becomes uh, weaker. I mean, the military, which is very, the New Zealand military is very quiet about itself. Very quiet. The, I mean, the
0: Kiwi SAS is known to be a fairly small but uh, very
2: professional force also. Yeah, and you wrote a, an excellent piece a few months ago about them.
0: So, and and I believe those two journalists allege that what, they went into a village and executed a, a few civilians or something like this?
2: Yeah, but the military uh, has started publishing uh wrong footage That's another uh, documentation proving mm-hmm. them wrong. So, yeah, they're on the, on the defense right now. Uh, however, in Australia... It's a big has, show. Yeah, with the Australian SAS there, uh, allegedly some of them uh, went uh, off, the, off the rails and began committing war crimes, uh... Set in a pattern, and what I'm trying to, what I'm currently investigating is a possible connection with certain units here in the states. So the SA, the Australian SAS guys were from the maritime troop, right. from from one of the maritime troops. So so the SAS. Uh, they are divided in air, mobi- uh, land mobility, air troop, and maritime troop. They are specialized insertion methods. And the guys that been there have been accused were from the maritime troop. So you can see a, a link there, a possible link, with uh, some of the war, alleged war crimes that have uh, been taking place uh, by some NSW Units. Well,
0: I I mean, I can tell you just based on conversations I've had with people in the Australian special operations community, and this is going back uh, probably four years or so now. uh, I was told about an incident where an Australian SAS soldier had cut off a uh, Taliban guy's hand and like hacked it off with a hatchet. And it, it turned into a controversy internally in the Australian military as, as it got found out. Um, and, you know, of course, I asked the question, like, well, why the fuck was the guy even carrying a hatchet? Like, who carries an axe out on target? And they were like, well, you know, they got that because they'd been working with SEAL Team 6 and those guys all carry hatchets out on target.
2: Oh, yeah, so... So, it's, yeah, there, most probably there is some connection, but I, I want to be sure before I go through with it. Yeah,
1: yeah, I understand. And it's
2: hard, it's hard for them to talk. I mean, uh, especially for, for to someone who is not from Australia.
0: They, uh, uh, the Australians have a, and I struggle to put my finger on it, but there's some sort of cultural nuance with the Australians how when you talk to these guys, they think it's like no big deal. Like nothing's going to come of that. No one cares. And then it becomes a big deal. And they're kind of like they shrug their shoulders. I I don't know. It's something unique, I think, to their culture. Maybe it's because Australia is just tucked away so far away from everything else that they just don't see it in the same light. I I really don't know. But it's just kind of uh, an odd uh, peculiarity um, in, in those conversations I've had with them. They are nice, blokes, though. <laughs> they are nice, and and I'm uh, I'm very supportive of the Australian special operations guys. That
1: I mean, the ones I've met are, are quality dudes. Um, and I, and of course, like these guys are not indicative of all of, you know Australian military. No, no. Yeah, Over, yeah, overall, yeah. it's
0: a it's a good force. Um, but I mean, they obviously are struggling with some of the same issues we are here as as uh, as you pointed out.
2: But then again, you have to question why. So uh, here in the states, NSW and especially DevGU was allowed to discipline its own, uh, so not to so not to create a controversy of the unit uh, out of the uh, because of the of the alleged war crimes. But then, when you fail to discipline it. You set a pattern there, right? So there's no you accountability. To
0: such you're basically handing the guys a license to kill. After you keep covering it up and covering it up, what you're telling these guys is it's de facto uh, acceptable behavior, and that the command will cover for you.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it, but we can also you, you can also see it from another point of view as them trying to. Defend not only their unit but also their selection process. Because yeah. if you if you have operators go under, that have a, underwent the arduous selection process with all of the psychological tests mm-hmm. and everything, and they become and they start committing war crimes, then that says something about your program.
0: Yes, absolutely, so, it says something about the program and about the unit culture. Uh, I'm working on a story right now that it's not it doesn't involve war crimes, but it does involve violent crimes um, here domestically in the United States. And it's about one person in the special operations community who it's amazing that he was not screened during the psychological evaluations that this person very clearly it should have screened him out. And he was even bragging to other people about how his psychological exams showed him to be a sociopath without any empathy.
2: Whoa.
0: Yeah. And he was bragging to people about this, and they graduated him through the course anyway.
2: So are they so hard uh, to fill out the the ranks? I mean, I suggest that there is a, a really serious sort of yeah. issue. Yeah.
0: Well, it's a combination of things. Uh, you can not They're not able to retain people in the ranks. Um, then they're also struggling with recruitment numbers. And then since 9-11, special operations was directed to rapidly expand uh, and become much, mm-hmm. much larger than it was before. Um, so we're, I think now we're seeing the, the, the long-term effects of it, and we're going to continue to see those long-term impacts for you know, the next 10 or 20 years
2: but and then you you have to ask the the follow up so how do we deal with it? yeah, I mean accountability, leadership, discipline but yeah
0: uh, my my opinion for what it's worth is I think you need to go back to the old school like like old school military discipline, uh you need to hold people accountable, um, you know people who break the rules need to be kicked out um and I'm not saying over like little things, I'm talking about serious, serious stuff here. Uh, you know, some people um, ask me a lot of times, like, is it just like dev group that's gone off the rails like this? And I have to explain to them, like, you know, all of these units after 17 years of war, they all have some skeletons mm. in their closet. All of them do. Um, but the difference is that in a unit like Delta Force, what they'll do is they'll kick guys out. They won't necessarily like criminally prosecute them and court martial them, but they will kick them out of the unit. So at least there is some mechanism where they're saying, okay, these are the lines you can't cross. And if you do this, you're kicked out of the unit. So at least that stops things from sliding completely out of control. Uh, And and I think that's the big difference. And in in Dev Group, you didn't have that. It just kept getting covered up over and over again. and, And, you know, excuses were made for these guys.
2: And, and the funny thing, funny. the interesting thing is that when people get get kicked out of dev group, they go back to the vanilla field teams, which is...
0: <laughs> yeah, and they us- I mean, they usually get out of the military entirely. Even if they have like 17, 18 years in, they'll just leave because they don't want to deal with uh the disgrace, I guess, of going back to the other teams. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, that's... Uh, I'm trying to find possible links between the the different cases out there.
0: They're one hundred percent there. um You can also look at some of the links. There's some interesting stuff that happened when like Dev group and Delta were doing embeds with one another like they were they were like bringing dev guys over and having them go out with Delta on raids early on in the war in Afghanistan um and i, I know there's some friction there as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um
1: Thanks. I mean, this is a huge topic and I think people are gonna to want to read more about it, especially with the recent stuff with the SEALs. Um the name escapes me of the most uh, recent guy, Chief but, Gallagher? Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is
0: his court martial is gonna go forward and
1: it's interesting though, because some some former SEALs that are, you know, that I follow on our accounts Instagram are very in support of him yeah. and you know, are you know free chief Gallagher and you know that it's all
0: trumped up charges that the uh the SEALs he worked with are lying I guess they're lying under oath according to this narrative
1: yeah that they're all purged gonna they're about to perjure themselves on the stand a lot of SEALs also that I've met to be honest do have the attitude of like you know the, we got to get the job done no matter what I don't really care what these guys do I've, I've heard that before I,
0: I've heard it from civilians also and it's like really you want American kids and we're talking about young people like a 22 year old seal you want to tell these 22 year old 23 year olds to go out and shoot children and hack limbs off of dead bodies like really that's what that's who we are now yeah and um, so I mean I understand uh, war is an ugly thing um, but at the same time there have to be some sort of standards otherwise like why are we even fighting the Taliban if like we're the assholes. Yeah. Like if we're not any better yeah, than them, yeah. then what what's the point of even doing it?
1: And then the argument I also always see um, on you know the side that you're making too is that oftentimes this type of thing is used for propaganda. You know, terrorists could say this is this is who Americans are.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I guess the enemy will use anything for propaganda against us. Um, and this is just one more example. Um, and I, I I don't necessarily blame anybody for supporting. Chief Gallagher, if they don't know the facts of the case, and I don't know all the facts of the case, I'm not trying to convict him in a court of public opinion. I think, you know, the court martial has to happen. He deserves a fair, impartial trial. Um, But there has to be some sort of accountability mechanism. And I don't think that every charge or every court martial is just the result of some weird liberal agenda in the military, trying to persecute our troops.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, also on the topic of the SEALs, Stavros, you're working on an article about an old-school Debreu op. I don't know much about it, but if you want to expand on that.
2: Yeah, uh, without any spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jack knows about it. So it's, uh, it's supposedly the mission that saved... Uh, Dev crew from this band. Uh, it took place in the early 90s, uh, somewhere in the Caribbean, and there are contradict. There are three or four different versions of why they did their mission. The mission wasn't that. The, 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 it wasn't only. The, there was. It wasn't tactically difficult, but uh, there are three or four different. Uh, the, uh, I, possibilities uh behind uh behind it so i'm trying to to find old school dev group guys to speak with uh i'm waiting to hear from a couple of sources and try to to see why what exactly took place and why so yeah
0: i'm really excited to read this i mean as you guys know i'm a huge, huge fan of reading about or or doing stories on the unwritten chapters of special operations history. And I think this is one of those, you know, it's an operation that, you know, if you go digging through the books, you'll find mentions of it, but no one's really elaborated on it or or gone in depth on it like you're trying to do right now.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I remember when I was younger, before I joined up, I used to read such books and stories and that's always intrigued my interest. So it's great to actually doing the the investigating now
1: Have you spoke to any guys yet? Have you been successful in that
2: uh there yeah some some of them have come back but uh and I'm still w- trying to walk through uh so I know people that weren't in the operation or were on a dev group but know oh, people who wear Stavros
0: Stavros this just reminded me of something um I'm I'll do this when I get home but remind me just in case I forget I know a guy who is an NSW historian um and I, oh. I'll dig up his contact information I'll introduce you to him okay
2: thanks man
0: yeah yeah he he will be able to he will know what you're talking about. Um, I don't know if he'll have additional information or not, but he'll know what you're talking about.
2: Whoa, that's, that's great.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll introduce you to him um, by email, but if I forget, um, just jog my memory, and uh, and I'll, I'll pull up his contact info. Yeah,
2: yeah, we'll do. Cheers.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to seeing this piece. I mean, it sounds great, and, and knowing that you're going to be making even more contacts, this should be really cool. I know this audience uh, are, you know, total nerds for that stuff. They love hearing about, as you said, unwritten parts yeah. of special operations.
0: Uh, Stavros, did you read that article, uh, that Sean Naylor article that came out yesterday about the uh, CIA operation in Cuba during the Cuban Missile Crisis?
2: No, I, mean, I, I don't see. So in the in the writers for the link, and it's, I was about to it's worth going Operation to read. Cobra.
0: I'm uh, I'm jealous of of, uh, of Sean Naylor uh, writing that article. Mm-hmm. I wish I had written it because it's really cool. It's really good, um, and people should go give it give it a read. Um, it's about a CIA case officer um, who was a graduate of the Merchant Marine Academy, and he was working in the Miami station during the 1950s, uh, I guess into the early 60s. And he, um, he ran a very successful network of spies inside Cuba. And they played a very instrumental role during the Cuban Missile Crisis. And his network of spies got eyes on the missile sites in Cuba. And that was what led us to fly the U-2 spy plane over Cuba, over that area, to then get um, final confirmation that those missile sites were there. So, I mean, this was a huge, huge deal from an intelligence and ultimately a, a global political standpoint. Um, it's a really cool article.
2: Yeah, Whoa. Well, yeah, it sounds like it. I, I love such stories, I mean yeah I that in history i mean that's all about
0: yeah it kind of rewrites the history of the cuban missile crisis because this yeah this, exactly
2: yeah this ring of
0: spies was not known uh, previously all we knew was there's a u2 spy plane took the picture blah 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 but the only reason why kennedy allowed us to fly that u2 spy plane over that site because he was basically against flying that the u2 over cuba um, because over fears that'd be shot down by, uh, Sam sites. Uh, the only reason why that flight went ahead was because we had human on the ground telling us that this stuff was there.
2: Ooh. And how did it Naylor uh, uh, got the, the, the link? I mean, well, did file, uh,
0: re- reading between the lines a little bit. And I've seen stories like this in the past about, um, CIA figures, um, to me, uh, and I can't speak for Mr. Naylor, of course, but I, I think that the family worked with Naylor very closely. The family of this um, CIA case officer, and they probably wanted their family member to be, you know, known and recognized for what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I suspect that the family helped him out a lot and, and showed him where to look.
2: Oh, I see. I mean, it's over sixty years, seventy years.
0: Yeah, sorry. yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and and the uh, the guy, his name was Hewitt. Uh, he was awarded the Intelligence Star um, after his death. They award, they gave it to his widow. Um, so it, it's cool. He he deserves to be recognized. I'm
2: glad it's happening now.
0: Mm, yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. So these are the stories I'm working right now. Aside from the news activity.
1: Yeah, which you write a ton. I mean, if people go to the website, they click on your name, yeah. the newsrep. dot com, they'll see all of your work. Um, last thing I was going to ask about, and I, I could, I, I don't know your involvement really. People are very excited about this new FinRep financial report we're doing at the newsrep. dot com. Joseph talked about it. Joseph Lafave, of course, talked about it the last time he was on. Uh, have you had any involvement in that? Because I'm not sure all the guys involved. Uh,
2: yeah, so it's essentially me and Joe. Uh, we alternate months doing the, the this finrep which is a very it's a, uh, the best way to describe it would be financial intelligence so we we don't give stock tips it's not like that instead uh, we provide context so we study trends in the defense industry and we also compare it with trends in the military for for example uh, if the Navy is looking for a new artificial intelligence systems for, for its ships or its planes, and we know of a company that does artificial intelligence and it, it has credibility with the DoD, then we go investigate that company and uh, provide a, a, a brief uh, study of the company and how it may. Uh, potentially be up for grab uh, potentially gain uh, a contract with the Navy for example so essentially we provide context for those who are interested in investing in some companies
1: well needless to say I mean that's important information to know yeah yeah. <laughs> so if you want to become a member go to the uh, FINREP tab as I talk about every show at thenewsrep.com uh really looking forward especially that article on old school dev grew up as you were talking about um and now that jack has another source maybe that'll be expanded even more um anything you're promoted i uh, promoting i don't know if you have any social media you want to get out there or anything like that
2: uh actually no um Trying to stay away from social media. Good. I I, <laughs>
1: Good I wanna you. stay away from it too, man. If, if I, I feel like if I didn't have this job, it'd be awful out of it. I, w- I would be for sure. <laughs> I have I, I have no imagine. interest in being a uh air quotes influencer. Influencer, yeah.
0: Well, Stavros, <laughs> you are, do you have to write a thesis paper for your degree?
2: I I opt not to. Okay. So, there was, so yeah, I mean it's unnecessary. I won't be an academic, so I didn't have to. Okay, No, I got gotcha.
0: you. Um, I was just wondering, because well, this dev group stuff, probably for for history, the history department probably wouldn't let you write about that kind of stuff because it's too recent. Mm.
2: Uh, actually, speaking of uh, such topics, so last year I, I did in a, the mandatory seminar. Uh, it's a year-long course. Uh, So my final thesis, so I had to write a huge paper for one history class, uh, was the strategic utility of Uh, SOF. Now it's a no-brainer. I mean, conventional uh, forces support SOF, especially in Iraq and Afghanistan. But previously, that wasn't the case. So I went back and studied the Oman, uh, the SAS in Oman, and the Rhodesian SOF. Uh, the Seelous Scouts uh, the Light Infantry and the SAS, uh, and I did a paper on that and now it has been accepted by the West Point History Journal oh nice yeah
0: that's super cool
2: so I'm always trying to and probably I'll try to uh, convert some parts of it into article pieces to publish on the site uh I'm always trying to, when I think of paper topics for my class, I'm always trying to uh, do to do topics that could be written in R keys for the site. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, Stavros, man, you've been doing a great job. I Really appreciate it. And, uh, I mean, some of these articles you're writing are like getting a lot of attraction,
1: a lot of interest. I think Stavros is currently like our type, our top writer in terms of uh, like getting hits. And I, I mean, I know some of this stuff he's been writing lately has
0: gotten a ton of traffic. Well, it's
2: it's a team effort. It may sound corny, but one team, one five.
0: That's a that's a good so... political answer, Stavros.
1: Thank <laughs> you. <laughs>
2: Okay, I have bragging (laughs) rights (laughs) to, but that's about it.
1: Well, next time we'll definitely do in studio when you could actually get in here. I I actually was going to, if you were going to be in studio, I was going to say bring a backpack because we've got some like Bubs Naturals we could hook you up with, some mugs from there. Some free books. We might have one or two more of these um, copy mugs. I actually
0: have a a copy of my book here that I brought in for you, man. I thought you were going to be in studio. so Yeah, uh,
1: sorry
0: about that. The next time you make it over here, you let me know and you can come in and pick this bad boy up.
1: Yep, we've got we'll we got a ton of copies of Brandon's last two books. So there's just a ton of free swag the next time you're here. Yeah, for
0: sure.
2: That's an the incentive
1: to come to the. <laughs> <studio>. <laughs> yeah, man, and hang with us. I mean, I it's it's yeah. weird because I'm one of those guys who's met pretty much everyone from the site at this. point. Yeah, well, I mean, you can haven't come, met you yet.
0: You can come in and take whatever you want because we got. Let's see, we got Paul Shari's book here, Army of None. We got uh what else might you be interested in? One Green Beret, Mark Giaconia's book. That was really good.
1: Jack Murphy, Grey Matter Splatter. My novel. <laughs> but <it's laughs> not, stop actually,
0: actually,
2: I actually have that one. Oh really?
0: <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you're you're a history dude. You need you need hardcore real books, not uh not novels.
1: Actually, this book from an upcoming guest would be up his alley, right in front of you. Oh uh, yeah. On Vietnam on the on. The men on the ground Vietnam, Bao Chi. Yeah. yeah we are also I'm, uh, serving as journalists.
0: I'm excited to talk to this guy. I think this is going to be an interesting book. Yeah. There was... I wonder if she's in here. Who's the name of that French journalist that jumped in with the paratroopers in Vietnam? I know you've seen Ooh. those pictures on, on the internet.
1: I, I don't know if you know Staros. I'm not aware. This is outside I'm my realm. I'm not
2: sure. But are you referring... Uh, did she jump in the ambient pool? Uh, not
0: with the French... With the Americans, oh, mm. she jumped in. Uh, she jumped in with American paratroopers in Nam. She was like a five foot tall blonde, you know, with like two cameras around her neck.
1: I'm sure he, he will know. Yeah, so yeah, we'll get we'll get into, into we'll get into, it, get into but, it with them. But thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate it, and we'll do this again, like I said, next time in studio.
2: Thanks for having me,
1: guys. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. anytime. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Yep.
2: Take care. All Cheers.
1: right. Great having Stavros on for the first time, hopefully next time in studio. Be sure to check out Crate Club. We have different tiers of membership, depending on how prepared you want to be. And gift options are available as well. Scott Whitner from the Loadout Room, Army Ranger Drew Wallace, and all those guys who've heard on the show They're putting together 100% custom products for this year, everything from sunglass cases to EDC bags and other manly products. It's a club for men, by men. You can check that all out at crateclub.us. Once again, that's crateclub.us. Also, as a reminder for those listening, now is the time to sign up for the SpecOps channel. That's our channel that offers the most exclusive shows, documentaries, and interviews covering the most exciting military content today. The SpecOps channel premiere show training cell follows former Special Operations Forces as they participate in the most advanced training in the country. Everything from shooting schools, defensive driving, jungle and winter warfare, climbing, and much more. Again, you can watch all of that content by subscribing to the Spec Ops channel at specopschannel.com and take advantage of a membership for only $4.99 a month. That's specopschannel.com. Sign up now. And then, as I was just talking about with Stavros, the News Rep Financial Report has exclusive information that you can act on today. To secure a brighter future for tomorrow, the News Rep Financial Report can help you discover new investment strategies in the defense sector. Defense industry stocks can be a lucrative investment if you buy at the right time. Our team of foreign policy, security, and military experts provide real time intelligence for stocks based on global trends that affect financial markets in the national defense industry. By subscribing now, you'll get exclusive access to our industry expertise. The NewsRep Financial Newsletter Advantage, which is our team that offers unmatched defense industry familiarity and expertise, unbiased knowledge of geopolitical trends, full access to NewsRep's foreign policy, security, and financial intelligence platform, and access to our team of experts and analysts. Just go to the FinRep tab at the top of the NewsRep.com to sign up. That's FinRep on the NewsRep.com. It's as Stavros was talking about. Really crucial information that you guys are going to want to read. So check that out now. thenewsrep.com, dot com FinRep, um, and people are really loving that. Awesome uh, week of shows here. We're on time, more. on target. <laughs> We're gonna have more uh, next week. It's funny as I was uh, as we had Stabros on. I got a DM on uh, Instagram from Sean Parnell. And he was like, oh, "Hey, cool. hey, Ian, are you guys over at Shot Show? We got to hang." <laughs> but unfortunately, we're not. But I saw Scott Witner's over there having a blast. Nick Betts. I saw pictures from the Crate Club event, uh, which was called an Oasis for Villains at some baller fucking mansion. Uh, which looked pretty cool. Well, we have to have those guys on to talk about the show and the party and all that good stuff. Yeah, so maybe next week we could add that to what we have and, and do a quick segment. Yeah, for like all 15, 20 minutes. I'm down. Yeah, I'm always down to have those guys on. I, I saw pictures from the Cry Precision Party, which is always pretty crazy every year. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not it, – it's weird because when I go on the floor there, admittedly, I'm not like the biggest gun enthusiast. I, I'm all for the Second Amendment. I just – I'm not – extremely knowledgeable about guns so as I walk around on that floor for like five minutes I feel like I've seen it all and you know now that i have gone there multiple years I really feel like I've seen it all dude I went seven years in a
0: row and <laughs> I mean it, it's definitely an experience um you know if you're in this line of work at all it's definitely something you to go to once and check it out but
1: the like floor of that
0: trade show is just
1: exhausting um the one thing that I that I do miss, though, to be fair, is just like I said, how Sean Parnell is there. You're on the ground, and and a lot of the guys we've seen on the show, they're all central. Every, in this place, I mean, everybody
0: so. I know is there, basically. Yeah, you know. So, and I mean, you like link up with old army buddies and and guys you haven't seen in like ten years, and that's really cool. Um, but the show itself, I could kind of care less about at this point.
1: Yeah, no, I, 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 agree to be honest, but if you are a, a huge gun guy, it's pretty cool to see. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. If, you're, if you're a school. gun enthusiast,
0: you should definitely go at least once.
1: Yeah. It, it's, I mean, do you consider yourself a gun enthusiast? Cause you, you, you are a sniper, you know, but it's, it's not like, a I was a weapon sergeant.
0: Now. I mean, I guess I, I guess I still am in a sense, but because I mean, you're
1: extremely knowledgeable, but it's not like a giant part of your life.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I've said in the past, like it's something I kind of miss because I really like shooting, um, but it's also like something I've kind of put behind me. I still like to go out and shoot guns when I have the chance, but I used to like eat, sleep and breathe weapons, (laughs) you know, and like that kind of part of my life is kind of behind me now. Like it's not like something I I don't I don't sit in my bed reading books about AK-47s anymore like I used to.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Hey, well, you know, can't knock you if you do. I think some of the guys at this site, Scott
0: Widner is probably in that category. If that's your profession and that's what you do. I mean, you learn everything you possibly can about it.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Well, hope you guys have enjoyed. Great having Stavros on. We're going to wrap this up, and then uh, in a couple hours, I'll be recording a new Power of Thought podcast, if you want to check that out. Uh, as always, follow us at Radio. And I still have all my books and TMs and manuals on
0: guns, so... If you ever want to, like, call me up and, and we can rap about gun nerd stuff, I'm, I'm still down for that.
1: Awesome. I mean, I think we should do a, a show on it. It's been a while since we've done a show on Un- technicality gu- stuff. Unlike gun nerd stuff? Yeah. Like, I think if we had Scott Whitner on, you know, he knows his shit. You know
0: what? I, I really like talking to people who have, like, a lot of experience in the field and have had to come up with, like, improvised solutions, like fixing guns in, the, in like, combat situations and sure. just, like, weird improvised stuff that is not in the manual.
1: What about guys who create you know guns out of all different types of weird shit when they're in prison? I'd like to learn about that. Oh yeah,
0: there's that one guy who escaped prison because he created a papier-mâché Glock. Yeah. And it looked exactly like a real Glock. I mean, obviously he didn't shoot, but it looked exact it was like a scale replica of a Glock pistol and he like held it to a guard's head and was like, let me out motherfucker. But I believe people have created stuff that shoots like zip, you know. zip guns. Yeah. Like a little pipe with some black powder. I, I in find it. that shit pretty interesting. <laughs> I talked to a guy, he was an air force guy with an ODA in, uh I think he was in Kosovo or Bosnia in the nineties, late nineties. And uh, he said a guy jumped out from behind a building around a corner with with a zip gun. And a zip gun is just a pipe with, like, a ball bearing loaded into it with some black powder. He, like, lights this thing off. It goes, (laughs) ba-boom, points right at him. And he's like, bro, to this day, I could not tell you where the bullet went. If there was a bullet, he's like, I couldn't tell you. It just went. And he's like, everyone just, like, stood there for a second looking at this guy, like, what the fuck just happened? And then we all just brought up our guns and just (laughs) hosed them down.
1: Crazy shit, man. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, that about wraps it free BK on Twitter. BK. I mean, uh, every time you try to talk to me about politics, it almost gives me a migraine. But uh, you are one of our favorite Twitter personalities. Nonetheless, we enjoy your rants. Uh, And hopefully, you know, the the shit libs let you out of prison.
1: (laughs) Maybe we'll have them on to talk about it. All right. (laughs) Have a great weekend, guys. You've been listening to Soft Rep
0: Radio. New episodes up every Wednesday and Friday. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Soft Rep Radio.